as we were singing, it was one of the songs that we wait for him. We're longing for him to come. And I, I'm reminded of the scripture that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And looking at that word wait, I, I was sitting there. I, I don't know these ladies. Man, I was looking at my Bible. Then I looked at my notes. Then I looked at the Bible again and, and looked at a few things. But the word wait means longing for. Actually, you can get to the place that it means hope. Who has hope today? Some of you are hoping that we get out before 12. I know. Hope. But I am hoping for the Lord's return. And then I read in Malachi this morning that he says, I will send him. He is coming soon. Our blessed hope is coming. And I want to talk to you just for a few moments on the thought of Christ being our hope. Because if your hope is in any other thing, it will fail. I hope that when I bought this Fitbit that I would lose weight. But it's not doing what it's supposed to do. It's not working. But I have found out that if you really get in a worship service and you clap and raise your hands a lot, you can get your 10,000 steps by clapping. You can do that. Praise God. So if you want to get in shape, praise the Lord more. But our hope is in Jesus Christ. Our hope is in Him. And I've got one of my papers out of the way. But I want to tell you that uh, Duke University did a study that those who attend church on a regular basis pray and read the Scripture have less likely to have high blood pressure. Anybody have high blood pressure? You come to church, we'll pray and read the Bible more. That's what Duke said. Dartmouth University, over a 28-year study, found that those that have a regular church service, attend regular service, pray and read the scripture, they are less likely to die prematurely than others. What are they saying? Oh, we just like the music? No. What are they saying? Oh, we like the, the friends that we have? Yes, it's great to have fellowship. Yes, it's great to have friends. But there is a common denominator that Jehovah Jireh is the basis of our hope. Our hope is found in him. Martin Luther King writes in his sermon, Hope is not magical, but real hope is a realistic hope that everything will be okay. Not because we, we cross our fingers and say, okay, okay, it's going to be okay. Or not that we act like an ostrich and, and hide our head in the sand and go, okay, let the storms come by. Just let it go. Or maybe we even become like the people who play the lottery. I hope that this happens. Or I hope that this takes place. No, Martin Luther says that... Our hope, realistic hope, does not supersede the fact that tragedies are going to come your way. That trials are going to come your way. That tribulations are going to come your way. But we have a hope that according to Romans that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus who strengthens us. One version says that we, but all these things we overwhelmingly conquer. What are we saying? Anybody have trials? 
This middle section does not have trials. I'm going to move my church membership and sit in the middle of the church. We have trials. We have trouble. We have tribulations. And if we put our hope in the things of this world, if we put our hope in the culture, if we put our hope in society, if we put our hope in some election that whoever you voted for, they may have won or they may not have won, but I'm here to tell you our hope must be founded in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our hope. And the Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5 and 5, this hope does not disappoint. Anybody ever been disappointed by someone? Man, finally we got some people. Thank you, sir. I thought, man, this is heaven right here in the middle. Nobody disappoints them. They have no trials, have all the money, have all the hair, have everything you need. But this hope does not disappoint. And the apostle Paul is writing to the first century church. The first century church, he writes in Romans 12 and 12, Rejoice in your hope. Be patient in your tribulation. And steadfast in your prayer. He's writing to the church. The church that Nero persecuted and said, Okay, you you don't want to be crucified like Jesus? We'll put you on a stake and we'll put flammable liquid on you and we'll use you as a human torch. He's writing to the first century church and said, be patient in your tribulation and rejoice in your hope. He's writing to the first century church that they would take the Christians and and sew them up in animal skins like a baseball or some kind of ball and throw them into the Colosseum and watch the animals rip them apart. And all the people were looking down rejoicing and laughing. And the Apostle Paul writes to that church, Rejoice in your hope, for this hope does not disappoint. Be patient in your tribulation. Be steadfast in your prayer. I'm here to proclaim to you that, again, in Philippians, he says that I can do, we can do, all can do, all things through Christ who strengthens us. But our hope must be founded in Jesus Christ. Lord, I know you know the scripture. How many knows the scripture? How many reads the word? I'm trying to get in the middle section. They're raising their hands more. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. And because he lives in me, then we need to let our light so shine before men that they may see our good works and glorify our Father which is in heaven. How can we have joy? How can we have peace? How can we have comfort when we look at the craziness of the world, the trials and the hostilities and the injustices and and all the griefs and setbacks we have? We put our hope in Jesus Christ. We do not put our hope in a personality. We do not put our hope in a persona. We do not put our hope in some uh, charismatic or somebody that has a lot of charisma we put our hope in Jesus Christ who said I will never leave you nor forsake you I will be with you even until the end of this age if I go away I will come again but until I do I will send another the Holy Spirit to be with you our hope is in Jesus Christ it's not in a denomination it's not in talents and abilities It's not in our good looks. 
Okay, maybe not. I see you. How do we do this? Hope is not crossing our fingers. Hope is not, I would try to hide here, but you can still see me. Just let it go. I don't know how I'm going to handle this situation. I don't know how I'm going to handle this bill. I don't know what I'm going to do because I had a family member die. It happens to us all. And the Lord said, I will be with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will be a friend that sticks closer than a brother. And so I wait for you. I look for you. I hope for you. I long for you. I desire you because you are my hope. We put our hope in Jesus Christ. Now either you're listening real good or you're going to have to clap because I have a folder. I have six more sermons. And at least smile, say amen, hallelujah, or let's go home. But if you go home early, know that Jesus Christ is your hope. It is not the Republican Party. It's not the Democratic Party. It's not the Liberal Party. It's not the Libertarian Party. It's not the green party or the tea party or a pity party. It is in Jesus Christ. He is our hope. He is our Savior. And he said, I am coming soon. So what do we do? We put our hope in him. We put our life in him. We put our family in him. See, Chuck Swindoll writes that Hope to the believer and to people is something as important as water is to fish, as electricity is to light bulb. It is as important as air is to the jumbo jet. Hope is essential. You know, a Working with youth and dealing with suicides and other issues, you find in their letters a lot of times, I have no hope. There's nobody to help me. Nobody cares. I can't do this by myself. Have we not said that Jesus said, hey, I'll be with you. But we've got to have that connection. We've got to have that commitment with him. Lord, I, I commit my life to you. And, and how do we overcome these trials? And how do we overcome these situations? And how do we overcome these problems? Because Zechariah 4 and 6 says, It's not by power nor by might, but by my spirit, says the Lord. It's the spirit that helps you through. It's the spirit that helps you through. And we need to give our life to the Lord and allow the Holy Spirit to cover us and comfort us and lift us up that we can be what he has called us to be. Because when we walk out the door, somebody else needs hope. And you might be the hope that they need. 
But if you're not living with hope, they can't find hope. And everybody is having a pity party. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. If it wasn't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. I don't need luck when I have Jesus. I don't need luck when I have the Lord. For I believe, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge, acknowledge Him and He shall direct your path. So we put our trust and we put our hope in Him. Well, what do you say? I say, well, hey, it's not personalities. I'm reminded of an old hymn, and I shall not try to sing it. You laugh. I heard some voices behind me while we were praising and worshiping. Edward Moat, in the 1700s, he writes these words that are still relevant today. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. He then is all my hope and stay. On Christ, the solid rock, I stand. It's not what we have. And my girls kind of wiped out my wallet today. It's not what we thought we had. It's not the credit cards that may be in here. It's not the bank accounts that, that we can put our life on. It's not our, our physique. It's not how well we look. It's not the clothes we will wear. But it is putting our life on Jesus Christ. That when the storms of life come and when the winds come and the lightning crashes and the thunder rolls, I'm here to tell you that Jesus Christ will be with you. He will never let you down. He will never forsake you. You can depend on Jesus Christ. He is my help. He is my stay. He is my all in all. And you put your trust in him. He will make a way where there seems to be no way. For he is the great physician. He is the good shepherd. He is the open door. He is the true vine. And we put our trust in him. You say, why can't you speak about something else? Because I'm reminded sitting in Winterfest in uh, Texas many years ago. The Lord spoke to me. So I got a piece of paper. It was a little battery pad. I think it was interstate battery. And I said, find me a pen. Just like I asked you this morning. Shouldn't have sat on the front row beside me. I'm talking about you now. Write these words. Not you. Promote me. Promote me. Promote me. And I will take you and show you places. That you never been. Promote me. Promote me. Says the Lord. Now I've packed many times. I did not throw it away. I don't know where it's at. It's in a box in the basement somewhere. But I'm here to tell you. That's why. I only have five sermons. No. 
because there's nothing else. I don't want to preach it feel good. Oh, I just, just do what you want to do. I, I'm not secular humanism. I'm Jesus Christ. I preach him. He is our healer. He is our source. He is our everything. And we put our hope in him. That's why the apostle Paul writes to young Timothy, his young protege. We have fixed our hope on the living God who is the savior of all men especially those who believe. That's why I go to Colossians and it says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of this earth. We want to buy a house. We want to buy a car. We want to buy this. We want to do that. We're setting our mind and things on the things of this world. But I want Jesus Christ to come. I'm longing for him. I'm looking for him. I'm desiring for him to come because I'm setting my set and my eyes and my focus. I'm putting him in the scope. I want want to see Jesus. It's Jesus. He is our hope. He is our help. He is our stay. Jesus Christ, set your mind on things above. And you continue reading that verse and it says this, for you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Now, if you've asked Christ into your life, you have died. Now, doing a youth camps, I'm going on my 55th youth camp. Baptizing kids. I said, now look, when you go under the water, you're just going to get wet. Hold your breath and keep your nose because if you're not really saved, you may drown. <laughs> I said, but the water's just going to wet you. But it's symbolic that when you said, Lord, come into my life, forgive me my sins, wash away all the bad thoughts, all everything in my life, you have died and we have died in Christ. And when he returns, he we shall be with him. So don't look at the things of this world. As great as it may be, as wonderful as this world may be, set your mind, set your heart, set your thinking on Jesus Christ. Why? Why do you say this? Because the word tells me, Psalms 31, 24, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who hope in the Lord. Psalm 38, 15, For I hope in you, O Lord, you will answer, O Lord my God. For you are my hope, according to Psalm 71. O Lord God, you are the confidence from my youth. Lamentations 3 and 24, I really love. The Lord is my portion. Therefore, I have hope in him. What are you saying? I have hope in him. 
For the Lord is my portion. When in Wichita, Kansas, I was getting a little heavier and I couldn't understand what was going on. Went to the doctor and the doctors found a tumor on the lining of my stomach. But the Lord is my portion. Yes, the doctors went in and did surgery. But when they pulled the tumor out, they said, Mr. Weaver, it's not cancerous. It's not malignant. It's just a fatty tumor. Everything's fine. Everything's okay. You're all right. The Lord is my portion hallelujah hallelujah when my the doctor said that my little girl was not going to live 24 hours she was going to die and that there was no hope and there was no help we don't know what to do the lord is my portion and she is graduating in may from lee university going on to get her masters the lord is my portion lay laying in a bed in jackson mississippi at two o'clock in the morning I feel somebody shake me. I thought it was my wife. I was ready to hit her. I said, what are you doing? I'm sleeping. But I roll over and look at her, and she's snoring too. I said, what in the world's going on? I said, is it another tornado? What's going I thought the house was shaking. It was shaking me. Hey, get up. Go to the hospital. So I gently hit her. <laughs> hey. We need to go to the hospital. I get to the hospital. They do an EKG. I said, it looks good, Mr. Weaver. It's fine. They start doing my blood pressure. These are my words. Hey, I don't feel too good. For 35 seconds. It's not good. There needs to be a beat in there. Yeah, you laugh. You wasn't there. It was me. <laughs> the Lord is my portion. Psalms 34, 8 says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those that love him. Touched out. It was the Lord. Hey, get up. Get up, you lazy boy. Get up. You got to go. The Lord is my portion. Yes, yes, they put a pacemaker in. Yes, I like to hunt. So I said, hey, put it on. I'm left-handed. Put it on the right side. They said, okay. So it's over here. Tumor, I'm all, I, I look like the Ronco slice and dice. Man, I'm scarred up, sliced up. The Lord is my portion because he said almost 18 years ago, promote me, promote me, Promote me, and I will take you places and show you things that you've never seen. And God's got hopes, and God's got dreams in your life that you feel like they're are just kind of going by the wayside. It's not going to happen for me. It's not. Well, talk to Joseph. It took him 20, 29, 22 years from the pit to get to the palace. The Bible tells me faith is the things hoped for. With the evidence of things not seen. The Bible also says that it is impossible for this section that has no trials and no troubles and no tribulations. It's impossible for you to please God without faith. But with faith, all things are possible. So we look at the, the guys who cut a hole in the roof. <laughs> these, these girls are looking up at Are they cutting it now? 
And y'all need to go with me all the time. I love you. And you're going to leave. Well, next year, hey, look me up. I'll get your phone number. We'll take you out there. Free meal. They don't come by very often. You better take it. They cut a hole. And they let their friend down in front of Jesus. Jesus, I, I've never seen faith like this. Jeremy, can you stand up? And, and sir, can you stand up? Y'all come, come over here. Oh, my goodness. I got the right one. Come, come, come. Right here, right here. Stand right here, shoulder to shoulder. Oh, get up in front of me. What about the lady who had an issue of blood? Don't let me push you. <laughs> but don't hurt me. She did all she can do until she pushed through. And Jesus said, somebody touched me. And the disciples said, Lord, this is Weaver's version. Look how many people they are, Lord. Everybody's touched you. He said, no, 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 no. No, somebody's touched me. And virtue has left me. There was a hope. If I can just... If I can just touch him. Hope. What about you guys? Thank you. What about the guy that was sitting at the pool of Bethesda? And here's a whole nother sermon. Jesus came to the pool of Bethesda. The guy had been sitting there for 28 years. Crippled. Jesus comes by. Through the sheep gate. Isn't that ironic? That Jesus, the Lamb of God, comes through the sheep gate. It's in the Bible. Read it. It's there. What do you need? You know what he said? I ain't got nobody. Nobody. When the angel comes and the water, water kind of moves, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. And the first one that got in the water got healed. I don't have anybody. Jesus didn't ask that. He didn't say, where are your friends? What kind of bank account do you have? You're not dressed the right way? He said, do you want to be made whole? It's there. He picked up his bed. Took off. Faith is the things hoped for with the evidence of things not seen. The Lord is my portion. When the tornado that was a mile wide comes through. The Lord is my portion. When the doctor said that uh, Cammie has a, a kidney uh, malfunction and disease. That it's only going to go from stage one to two to three to four. And then there may be dialysis and those things. But it is the Lord. Who the doctor in West Virginia said. You don't have anything. I don't want to see you no more. It is the Lord. Oh, but you are the pastor's son. And the Lord takes care of those. No, 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 no. I believe the Bible says that God is not a respecter of persons. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It was blind Bartimaeus that said, Jesus, thou son of David, have 
mercy on me. I don't know what you're going through today. I don't know your situation in life. But I do know that Jesus is the answer. It is not Mr. Trump. It is not Miss Hillary. Praise the Lord. It's not this person or that person. It's not your bank account. It is Jesus. It's Jesus. I want to close with this. They told me the pastor would preach an hour and a half. Y'all love me. I want to close with this. Now my parents are Mom's 30, and Dad is 78. And so, um, we used to hunt and fish and all these things together. And so, if you've got a place for him, hey, take him, because I can't take him. And he whines and cries, why don't we go hunting? Well, I'm not down there. So, if you've got a place, take him. So he won't aggravate mom so much. But I do warn you, if you take him fishing. We were fishing in Kansas. And they were doing strip mines, and they were 121 lakes a mile apart. All kinds of fishing. It was wonderful. And he had hooked on some big catfish, the, the coal. I mean, it was clear water. And he hooked on some catfish, and he said one day, he just hooked into one and because you know how he does. He likes to make that sound. Snap. And there it went. He said, son, we're going we're gonna to get those fish. And I just traded a truck for a boat. And so I had the boat. So we went, we got, and we got everything ready to go. And we're out in the water, you know. And he said, all right, it's coming up. It's coming up. Here we go. It's coming up. What? Stop, because it, it had the little motor in the back, you know, like that. He said, throw out the anchor. So I, I did my job. I threw out the anchor, because you always do. I told you earlier, you do what he says to do, whether he's dad, bishop, church member, you just do what he says to do. I, that's kind of like what Mary said at the marriage supper when Jesus turned the water into wine. They said, just do what he said. So dad and mom are, are like the Lord to me. So I just do what he says do. So he said, throw out the anchor. So I did. And these are, this is what I heard. My Lord, son. Are we going to pray on the boat? What? I didn't, I didn't know. Really? My Lord, son. What? What have I done? Because, I mean, we have wired boats together and we had the steering column and you'd turn it this way but you would go that way I mean this is Weaver's boat stuff so we'd be in the saltwater uh, rivers down in south Georgia close to the ocean and you'd turn this way and we'd be going this way and people say man those people are drunk you know who knows my lord son I said what we only had one anchor. I did my anchor. We had went to Walmart and bought a bright, shiny, new 25-pound anchor. 
My Lord, son. I said, what, Dad? There goes your anchor. <laughs> he did not tie the rope <laughs> on his anchor. So when you take him fishing, don't let him fool with the anchor. He didn't tie the rope. Now look, I am 50. I know I look 25. But I have heard stories of me for a long time, so I'm giving him back. He had the rope. He had the anchor. He was in the position. He was at the place. He was supposed to throw the anchor out. We were going to catch the fish. But he didn't tie the anchor on the rope. My thought to you today is, are you anchorless? Or have you not tied the rope to the right thing? Or have you just thought that, well, life is going good. And somebody else is driving the boat. I really don't have to do anything. Or maybe you were just enjoying the scenery of life. Oh, my kids are home, and we have Thanksgiving leftover, and Christmas is coming, and uh, life is going good. I have a good job, and I really don't need an anchor. But when trials come, when tribulation comes, When circumstances come, you're going to need an anchor. Back in the first century, and back in, and, uh, when Christians were being uh, persecuted in Rome, you can look up under Rome and all the catacombs. There's some 500 to 600 miles of, of caves. And the Christians would take the cross and bend the edges of the cross to make it an anchor. Because they knew the cross. And when they were being persecuted. If they saw the cross. They would go in and get all the people. And kill them. Or imprison them. Or torture them. Or whatever. But they did not understand what the anchor meant. And the anchor became a symbol. Of the hope. We have. In Christ. Will you stand with me. I ask you today on this Sunday after Thanksgiving to make sure your anchor is secured to Jesus. Because see, the writer in Hebrews says this. We have this hope as an anchor for our soul. Hebrews 6, 19. It's there. Oh, I could tell you more trials. Mom could tell you that either mom was not going to live or I was not going to live. His anchor. I saw on the news just this past uh, 
they're having a snowstorm in the Pacific Northwest over Snoqualmie Pass. We, we went over that pass. And then we started doing 360s to try to avoid a wreck. Trying to start the car to get back on the road. A semi-truck is coming. You know, this saves everybody right here. This is the universal sign to save everybody. My wife, my girls, a Christmas presents, a wiener dog, everything. Save everybody. I was going to start the car. It wouldn't start. It wouldn't start. It looked like somebody just took the truck and pushed it over. has a blue cab, blue pinstripe all the way down the trailer. I saw it. As soon as the truck got past us, I turned the key. It started. We went down to Seattle to stay at the hotel to get to the airport. I spoke in tongues all the way down the mountain because my anchor holds. And his name is Jesus. He is our Savior. He is our help. And at 11.51, you're getting ready to rush out to warm up the leftovers or to beat someone to the restaurant. All of that is for naught if your anchor is not secure. We're going to close in prayer. And if you'll say, Brother Weaver, I want to be sure that my anchor holds. Or maybe you're, you're just living life and uh, you're enjoying the scenery and life is going good and someone else is driving the boat. But there's going to come a place that you're going to have to use the anchor. And if you're not tied, it's just going to drift away. I want to see you again. But if I do not get to see you again, I will see you most out. For one day, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And then, it tells me in Corinthians, that eye has not seen, nor ear heard, nor has entered into the heart of man the things that God has in store for those that love Him. We shall behold That's what I long for. Heavenly Father, Lord, we love you today. Forgive me of my craziness. But allow your word to sink into our spirit. Allow your word to sink into our, our hearts and our minds. Let it take root. But Lord, no one knows what tomorrow holds except you and you hold it in the palm of your hand and God should there be someone here today that may not know you as Lord and Savior let them be tied to the anchor of Jesus Amen.